Holly G with the Golf Insiders for this edition of For Your Game, coming to you from the PGA Championship in my beautiful hometown of Rochester, New York. And I have a very special guest with me. She is one of the leaders in our industry. Yes, you heard me. She, she was the first ever president of the PGA of America, the PGA of America, and she has numerous accolades to her name, LPGA Tour member, member of the Connecticut Golf Hall of Fame, and she was born very close by in Syracuse, New York, and this week during the PGA Championship, she's going to be receiving a very, very special award, the Walter Hagen Ambassador of the Game Award. It's my pleasure to have Susie Whaley on the show today. Hey, Susie. Thanks for having me. It's a treat. Oh, so wonderful. You've been such a mentor to so many in the game, women, girls, all kinds of kids. Talk a little bit about what the juniors of this game mean to the future. We just watched you give a just an unbelievable clinic, and I'm exhausted from it, and I didn't even <laughs> swing a club. <laughs> but let's talk about that, because I know what this award is about is about, you know, just your passion and uh, the growth of the game. Yeah, I mean, for me, I had an amazing coach growing up. First of all, my mother was my first coach, and that was a gift. I had time to spend on the golf course with my mom by myself, and I just learned to love it because I was had time with my mom. But then I had a PGA professional named Joe Tesori in my life who, in Syracuse, New York, who was an amazing coach, mentor, friend, teacher, employer. He ended up hiring me because I hit so many golf balls at the range. He's like, you need to work and actually pick some up. <laughs> we'll work for golf balls. Yeah, you know, I think what he gave me and my mom gave me was this incredible gift of having a joy for learning, of not being worried about missing or being afraid of learning a new shot or not competing at my highest level. It was always about how, how could I maybe get better the next day, and he would make that fun. And because of that, I, I've pulled that through um, my entire career and realized very quickly that I love golf because of the people who coached me early on that gave me this joy when I played it. it you know, I, didn't, I don't mean to sound like I didn't like it when I played poorly. Nobody likes it when they played poorly. But I always could find something about my day that I cherished. And if I can give that to a junior golfer so they have golf in their life, um, I think I've given them a gift. And golf has just given so much more to me than I could ever give back to it. This is my small way of, of maybe giving a little back. So watching your clinic, you incorporate a lot of physical exercise into the clinic. Share a little bit about that and why you do that. Yeah, so I think, you know, there's a couple reasons why I do that. So number one, it's for attention. I think, um, you know, kids in today's world, they're not used to sitting for a lengthy period of time. They had just gotten off a school bus. They'd just come out of school to be with us. And the last thing they want to do is sit and hear a lecture about the golf swing. So we get them moving really quickly. Uh, they love that. And when we can get their endorphins up a little bit, just running around and having joyful fun, they don't realize that I'm actually teaching them how to use the ground to create ground forces uh, through skipping and running and functional movement training. That's how children become whole athletes. That's what PE teachers are doing in gym class. 
that's what great coaches do is we're trying to develop a whole athlete, not just the elite athlete. And when you do that for a child who perhaps doesn't love sport or has different interests, you get, you're again giving them a gift because you're giving them the chance to understand their body, their functional motion, um, and just to be a better balanced person while they're doing activities, whether it's walking, running, skipping, jumping, kicking, throwing, all of that is functional movement skills which create better athletes. And then if you can create that for a child through your programming, they don't think of it that way. They just had a great time with some golf swings splattered in and they've just become better at it. Is that something we owe to Tiger Woods being that he was, I think, one of the first that really trained like an athlete? Today, you see the professionals are such good athletes. I think it's that. I also think it's just research. I think it's what, I think in our country, in the United States, and this is a big generalization, but I think we specialize too early. I think, especially today, I think children are, are scheduled to the hilt. They have, you know, a music lesson on Monday and then a dance lesson on Tuesday. And then at some point, um, parents determine with their family's choices that we're going to do one sport. And I think it's too early. Uh, I don't agree with specialization until they're 15. I think when you have, or even 14, I think when you have the opportunity to develop all your trigger muscles, to not overuse uh, certain muscles. So, for example, in soccer, if your child doesn't make the travel team or the coach says they're not playing unless they play for me all year, you know, we have to change the culture here because the four sport athletes, the Jack Nicholas's of the world, and most of the tour players you see today that are elite, there are the anomalies. There are the Tiger Woods, who was a specialization, right? He was a specialized child. That's an anomaly. Most of these players, if you look at their bios, are three or four sport athletes, many of whom were not the best junior golfer, many of whom did not win the world championship at 12, but at 15 and 16, catapulted beyond the child who specialized. So I think it's more of a, a movement inside the PGA of America to help parents and educate to understand what that means and to understand what you're giving your child when you develop that whole athlete. So yes, if you want to play elite competitive golf, it is a physical sport now and you need speed. 1% of the population is going to get there. So really what I think most of us as coaches are trying to do is prevent injury, have sustainability, meaning enjoyment, throughout all their years, whether they make the high school team or not, and give them an opportunity to play for a lifetime. And, and doing that through these skills just makes you a better golfer, which makes golf more fun. So you hit it farther, golf is more fun. <laughs> Absolutely, and you can, you can see some of those kids, just the joy on their faces when they make that, that perfect contact. Oh, yeah. Talk a little bit about the um, PGA Junior Golf Leagues because that's a great program that I think really helped yeah. get kids involved. No, I agree. Great he, concept. Well, probably the favorite thing, part of my service term was when that was really in its growth. Um, when I was the junior chair is when we started it, and then I worked my way through the chairs of the office and governance as an officer. Um, but what we've seen in PGA Junior League that I love the most about it, it's boys and girls playing golf together as a team. And they're in jerseys, so it's much like any other sport they participated in. They have numbers on their backs. Um, but there is no differentiation between gender. Uh, there is no, I don't want to play with a boy or I don't play. They're paired together, and they're playing a scramble, which means they can miss, and the other person can be the hero. And the next one, the other person misses, and the other person can be the hero. So it's a perfect format for a child who's starting the game. It's not intimidating. They don't need to keep a score. It's localized. And as they get better and improve, they become the mentors and the leaders on the junior league team. 
What I see happening today is now we have collegians who play junior league golf who welcome young women into their group, who don't look at the sport from a gender perspective, but as a fun enjoyment. And I think 10 years from now, because of PGA Junior League, not solely because of PGA Junior League, but because of some of the things we've implemented, I think golf is going to be a very different space. 40% of those playing the game now that are juniors are girls. 35% are non-whites. That is not great. Of course, I want it to be 51%. But we were at 12% not even 10 years ago. And it's we're growing, and we're changing the face of golf, and that's incredible. Yeah, and I could see it today. The clinic was 50-50, it was I'd 50/50. say. 50-50. Right? Yeah. Um, which is just, you know, fantastic. Uh, another um, piece of this is getting, you know, kids turned on through professional golf. Yep. And it was interesting. I was walking uh, yesterday, and I was listening to a dad and his son talking about all the signatures that he'd gotten. Yeah. And I stopped, and I said, you did a great job. I said, how old are you? He said, I'm 10. I said, you know, do you know who Mr. Palmer is? Who Arnie Palmer is? He says, yes, yes. I said, I met him when I was nine wow. at Oak Hill. And, That's amazing. And that turned me on to golf yeah, and, and a story. career in the golf business. I have the same story. I, my parents took me to my first LPGA Tour event in Corning, New York. I, again, I grew up in Syracuse. I could not wait. My whole sole mission was to get as many signatures as I possibly could. It was a time where your children were allowed to run around without you. And it would either meet us at the clubhouse at XYZ time. Great. I couldn't wait. I ran right up on the green. It was Nancy Lopez's rookie year. I ran right up on the green under the ropes and asked her for her autograph. And she kindly signed for me, very nicely and calmly said, you know, you'll probably get more autographs on the other side of the ropes. Since then, I've played golf with her. I She's a dear friend. She, But to me, like... Did I know who Nancy Lopez was? I knew she had won. I knew she was a rookie. But I was off to get my other, you know, as many as I could autographs. But you think about that moment. You think about how that could have turned me off. And it didn't. I just saw these incredible female athletes with thousands of people watching them play a sport. And I was hooked. It just, and I I think it's important that we have these events where we can bring youth out and share with them. So even if you don't play golf, I encourage you to go to an event because you just never know. You might have somebody flip a switch and say, I want, I want to do that. You don't have to be an aficionado to enjoy a competitive game in your town. And that's the importance, right, of having these tournaments Absolutely. and making them kid-friendly. And it seems like the players have gotten even more giving in that way. Don't I think so many of them have young families that are popular, meaning the, the names, the household names, have young children. And I think they were all in the same boat as you and I were. They were the ones getting autographs. I mean, Justin Thomas, his dad, Mike, sat on the PGA Board of Directors with me. And Justin mm-hmm. was young. And he would come to the PGA Championships with his family in hospitality and show us all how many autographs he got. See, like, think about that. Think about like what what that means to golf. And here is this young man who comes from an incredible lineage of golf, but he has gone on to be this, you know, worldwide athlete. And he knows what it's like to stand there and ask for an autograph. And how delightful that they all stay and do that for the kids and for the adults. 
I think another great thing is we're seeing more and more players, both male and female, with families yeah. playing competitive golf at the highest level. Yeah. You look at Tony Finau. Look at Jason Day. Six suitcases travel with. 16? 16 suitcases because she homeschools all the children on the road. Unbelievable. 16. Yeah. And Jason, you know, has a baby on the way. Baby and look at, you know, all that he went through. And, of course, the same is happening on the LPGA yeah. Tour. What is it to balance that? You've had to do the same thing no, with, you know, hard. the big jobs you've had administratively. You've been the director of instruction for your own school and uh, at uh, down in uh, South Florida. Yeah. How do you do that? You know, I, I don't think you try to be great at everything. I don't think you can. I'm not a fan of this work-life balance low slogan because there's no such thing. Uh, in my opinion, I, I realize there's a lot of people who think there is, but I'm here to tell you there's not. And I just think each day you have to take on as the day. And you put your priorities where they need to be, and, and that's how you manage it. And sometimes on the golf course, you need an incredible support system if you're a professional golfer on the road. I never did that with my children, uh, I was, but I was a full-time, we were a dual working household and we were working at a golf course, so many hours put in. Your husband's in the business as well. in the business as well, but we had great friends, and um, I had that support system around me. Without that, it wouldn't have worked. Um, and my children are great. Um, you know, they didn't suffer because I worked. I loved my work. My children know I love my work, and they respect that. And now both my children enjoy their work. And so I, I think sometimes we get we get stuck in this I, you know, my children are going to not do this or that, or I'm a bad mom, or I'm a bad dad. And we've got to get away from that as a culture, but we also have to support, I think, in a much greater way because it's so very difficult. And I think if we just could reach out and be a little kinder and realize that everything's not always perfect behind the scenes. Um, and my kids were the kids with, that went to school. I mean, sometimes their hair was totally askew, but if they had shoes on and a clean outfit on, you know, off we went. And I was the mom who bought the brownies and put the frosting on and put them in my pan and then gave them to the teacher. You know, I mean, this whole snack day thing, that's got to go. Pressure. It's just a lot of Come pressure. Come on. Like, to be the, the homeroom mom. I was that. So those are weeks. I didn't dread. I didn't dread playing in competitive events. I dreaded home, like, the week I had to be the homeroom mom. Because I'm like, what does that even mean? What do I do? What do I have to bring? Like, and it was just so much pressure. So anyway, I just, I think people, I think we've placed a lot of demands, um, especially on women. And I say that on purpose because... The LPGA um, certainly don't have the resources that the PGA make. They make far less money. So it's very difficult to bring your family with you because it's not affordable. Right. So Smuckers has done an amazing job with their daycare and that, the sponsorship of the whole daycare facility that travels with the tour, which makes, I don't want to speak for them, but what I've heard them say and read they've said, they could not do it without that. So they have somebody on site that helps them with that. But but think about this thing about getting up in the morning, working out, because they all are very, you know, in shape as well. Working out, then doing your practice, then doing your rounds, then practicing after your round, and then you come home and now you have to figure out how to, just like any working mom, you have to make dinner, you have to do whatever else, and you're in a hotel, right? And you don't have laundry services, and there's no laundry service on the LPGA Tour that's going out and getting your laundry done for you. So I hats off because how they manage it, I, I can't speak for them because I just don't even know how they're doing it. I'm not here to say that it's not also difficult for the men that play on this tour. It's not my point. But, you know, we just, I, I think we're putting a lot of demands on women in this moment in sport. And I just think we have to be a little kinder and realize, you know, they're trying to perform at the elite highest level. It's their choice to do that. But at the same time, I think we can support them a little better than we are. 
Are you excited about the mixed team event coming back I'm to golf? I'm so excited. Grant Thornton, I, I put hats off to Grant Thornton. Australia had done it previously about six months ago. We used to have the J.C. Penny in Tampa. The J.C. Penny, and you know, I I'm everyone so loved that tournament. Loved it. I'm so excited for it. They have top male PGA Tour players playing in it. Top LPGA Tour players playing in it, and uh, my hope is that we'll have more of that in the future. And I, I truly can't wait. And I'm I'm really thrilled that a company um, has chosen to do it that way. Awesome. Well. Can you hear that passion, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen? This is why Susie Whaley is the Walter Hagen Ambassador of the Game Award winner this year. Thank you. Thank you, Susie, so much for your time. Yeah. It was really special. I'm humbled. It was an honor, and I really appreciate it.